Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Everybody, we are Matt and Kevin, and welcome to season three of the Believe Overwatch League podcast from the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us on all social media at Believe in OWL and at Believe.com. This week, we break down the May Melee tournament, the dev update, and have an inside scoop on Project Aloha. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. Me and Kevin are here joined with two special guests. Uh, special guests, please introduce yourselves. Yeah, so I'm Sky Kavaloa. Uh, I'm the director and lead of UH Esports and also the uh, head of the Esports Task Force at the University of Hawaii. And my name is Artie. Um, I am also part of the UH Esports uh, Academic Task Force. And also, I am the director of production for UH Esports. Cool. Nice for you guys to join us for this podcast. And the reason why we are having you here is because you guys were part of the Project Aloha stuff for the Overwatch League. Um, so what roles did you guys play in, in making that happen. Yeah, so the uh, the Overwatch partnership with the UH was, you know, again, a quite surprising thing for us to, to do. Um, it was something that we definitely never expected to do. Um, and so when we were able to drum up um, um, plans and support and, and forward planning around this, um, essentially, you know, uh, I sort of created four core groups of students that were going to take part in it. And so Artie and I and another, a bunch of other students were kind of, you know, the, the, the pillars of that group, meaning that we were there from morning to night. And, um, you know, that was something that was very important um, for, for us to support Overwatch's endeavors because, you know, we really wanted this to be a success. And to have that success, we, we needed students that we could depend upon. Yeah, during that whole time, um, you know, everyone kind of had equal part in in you know the events that, that transpired, having uh, just helping the Overwatch League staff to set up everything, and also learning about the whole production pipeline and everything that we could do, getting a little bit behind the scenes. Um, I was fortunate enough to kind of be put in the position of tour guide a little bit, so I, I had a car and. I was actually living pretty close to where the owl staff were staying. So pretty much every single morning before the actual work would start, I, I kind of had the opportunity to take the Overwatch League staff on adventures. Uh, it was a lot of their first times in Hawaii. So I wanted to make sure that they could, uh, you know, see and explore a little bit because they did not have much time outside of the tournament. So before we get into that, what's it like being in Hawaii during the pandemic? You know, that's a good question because, you know, we, I mean, essentially we haven't been outside of Hawaii during the pandemic as well. So it just feels like, you know, one continuous sort of, uh, you know, lockdown that has never changed over, over the year. Um, but 
relatively speaking, you know, from what I see from, of course, the news itself and from from friends and family, um, is, you know, that we have it relatively better than a lot of folks in the mainland in terms of our numbers and our vaccination rates. So coming to Hawaii was, you know, the COVID issue was one of many factors for Overwatch when, when they chose Hawaii is that, you know, they were, um, they were cognizant of the fact that they did not want anybody to get sick. They wanted to choose a location that was was taking COVID seriously, and you know that is not unusual. It, it, it's something that you know other you know publishers, developers, even enter, entertainment media groups um, have been looking for is actually island locations to hold events. I think um, something along I don't know if you guys remember uh, Fight Island of the USC. Um, it was not unusual to hear um, organizations saying they wanted to come and do something like a Fight Island. COVID protocol, which, you know, things were, you know, tightly controlled, but, you know, also also things are located outside. So, you know, being an island, we've gotten a lot of attention because of because of COVID itself, and um, we've, we've benefited from it. Yeah, I can't speak too, too much to, like, the differences between Hawaii, like, in the pandemic versus out of the pandemic, because I actually moved here at the very start of it. I was able mm-hmm. to escape Japan before Japan fully locked down, and so... Um, it's funny because I still haven't seen, um, you know, the university in full capacity yet, even though I've been here for now over a year. Uh, and also, like, just Hawaii in general has just been slowly opening up more and more to me. Um, it, it's kind of like slowly unlocking over the course of, you know, the last year. And, and I'm hoping that by the end of this summer, when Hawaii is fully vaccinated, um, we should have, like, little to no restrictions and i can then i can finally see what it's like and hopefully at that point as well um during the july and august events the overwatch league staff will have uh, a lot less to worry about when they're here Mm -hmm. sky what's it like for you being in hawaii and like you knowing how what it's like when like tourists are there and then seeing it now with people not really being able to come in and, and you as an island being kind of in your own bubble, just based on geography. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's quite shocking. You know, number one, Hawaii survives off tourism, right? It's a eighteen billion dollar industry per year, um, and to have that completely, you know, snuffed out of your economy is is quite shocking. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it was odd to really not see, you know, tourists around in some in certain locations. Um, and so that's been a big debate, you know, locally for us on the island is, you know, when we had, you know, when we were at the peak of, of lockdown, we had a long discussion among um, state representatives um, about how do we diversify our economy away from tourism. And so esports became part of that discussion. And um, that was something that was really interesting to see because, um there were many ideas being thrown out there and to see esports as being one of those ideas, you know, definitely um, motivated me to see what was possible uh, for us in Hawaii. So I've, I've always believed that, you know, what we're doing at UG Sports was not just a collegiate program, but was a, was a, a project or an endeavor to generate discussion about Hawaii's economy. And so for all to step in at this, at this moment was, was, quite amazing um it, it was it, you can't really ever anticipate something like this so when it did happen it, it's still very hard for me to wrap my mind around uh, because it 
it will impact our island in ways that we don't know yet. And, you know, I think in the coming year or years, we'll have a full understanding of what, what Allah did for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Matt and I have discussed this on the podcast, like a number of times saying that, you know, Hawaii is right in the middle of both, you know, Asia and the U S and it's kind of like a really great place for esports, as we thought as a scene. So I guess the question right now is how blossoming is the esports scene in Hawaii um, right now? And where would you like it to be in, you know, five, 10 years from now? I'd say that like this year has been just exponential growth for esports in Hawaii um, because of a lot of the stuff that Sky talked about with, you know, the actual larger institutions at stake, you know, the university, the local government, uh, the full state government actually taking esports seriously um, is something that we didn't really imagine would happen this year, but it's something that was only really possible because of COVID. And I think that it's kind of all going to be before Overwatch League was was really coming into into play, we had made a lot of really good progress. And we actually started to have bigger discussions with what if uh, an esports arena was built at the state level? What if we were able to, you know, host different events for the sole purpose of linking uh, the East and the West? And then when Overwatch League came in, now we have these discussions happening at a much higher rate than ever before we have a lot more publicity that is coming directly from this event and i think the biggest thing is that before people were looking at it as a serious possibility and like yeah that's something that we can think about but now i think that it's it's starting to be looked at as what will be happening in the future yeah and again it's one of those things where you know, we've always believed Hawaii could be a hub, right? So when we think of hubs of esports, we think, of course, LA, you know, maybe Dallas, Houston's, you know, uh, um, Paris uh, uh, in the EU, of course, and of course, in, in, in Asia and, and South Korea and Seoul and Incheon. Um, but you nev- don't necessarily think of, of sort of the island island locations. And there's a bit of a, of a, disruption happening, I think, to that that geography, because what we have now is, um, you know, we have Valorant being low, you know, doing their their tournaments out of out of Iceland. Um, and of course, we have Guam um, being used as a server location for for CSGO. Um, and now we have us in Hawaii being a location for actual live events. Um, not as big as we want, of course, you know, people, you know, this is not an event in which spe- spectators come to, but still, it's a it's a very important first step. So yeah, the use of, you know, these different locations, I think, will be more important as we move forward and kind of have a, a greater understanding of what global esports looks like. Because, again, I, I'm very kind of cautious to use the word global esports because I think it's too abstract. In geographical locations that are very different from each other. Um, but it does, you know, as you listen to John Spector talk about the Overwatch League, he he's definitely talking about it as a, as a global league, of course. But it's really quite um, dependent upon these very unique very specific locations to pull off. Okay. So when you think about Hawaii as a location for esports in the future, would, would you see it as more of a general like, like esports destination or more of as a, an overwatch centric esports destination? 
I think that as a general idea, it, it's, you know, esports as a whole. Um, I mean, it doesn't even have to go back to the whole link between East and West thing, because as uh -huh. we've seen with um, the US teams that were actually flown out here, um, for a lot of them, their entire like team mantra leading up to um, you know, the, the playoffs of the May Melee was, you know, it wasn't even to make it to the May Melee. It was because they wanted to go to Hawaii. And so building out esports here, um, you know, obviously we're going to have that ability to bring, okay, cool. Like now we can have Japan teams versus American teams. All right. Let's get South Korea versus, you know, Western teams, like all that kind of stuff. But I mean, you could honestly make the case for if we have the venues for it, there's no reason that, um, you know, even just fully American based orgs wouldn't want to come out here because who wouldn't want to come to Hawaii? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, you know, we definitely see it as a actual location in which people come to the islands. Um, it's something that's not unfamiliar to us when we have, you know, all-star games uh, in Hawaii. Um, Hawaii is just a very natural location to have people come, all-star players come, chill out, week of fun, and then have a game itself. Um, that's what it kind of felt like, to be honest, with uh, Dallas and, and Mayhem coming here. They came in and they actually had a bit of fun. I think, you know, we had the, the perception that it was like, come here, straight buckle down into the hotel, play the game and leave. But I was very happy to actually see the teams create content around the players actually enjoying the islands. I mean, that's something that we really want to happen. But beyond that, you know, for Overwatch, this was very Overwatch specific. There are not a lot of games in which you can play at 90 milliseconds professionally. And so for John Spector, it was the idea that, you know, this might be, you know, for now, a very specific Overwatch um, operation. Um, but at the same time, Overwatch has also said, you know, get ready because you will be, you know, pinged by other publishers. And we already have been pinged by other publishers prior to Overwatch. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I think it's a situation where we can really actually um, exploit both, both the, the virtual and the real. I, I guess my next question when it came to Overwatch, um, how long ago did they approach you guys? Was this something that was like months, like months before we finally got, you know, the pro the Project Aloha announcement? Or was this something that was just like, okay, well, we were in contact with the university that's on Hawaii. Let's just <laughs> dr drop our stuff off at them and then tell them how to use it and then just dip. It's really funny because in December, Sky made a passing comment to me that I think was by mistake. And I was like, I didn't even like think twice about it until it was like February or late January when Sky got me. He was like, we need to be on the phone like right now. I'm like, okay. And then he was like, so this is what's happening and we're doing testing. So I'm going to need you to come to campus next week. To, mm -hmm. to help test this and my jaw was on the floor like i for me it was like completely blindsided but i think it was the sky was i think it was december right when they when they first reached out to you yeah yeah definitely it was in december and you know the funny thing is that it was quite you know collaborative um first it came through athletics um then athletics came to me and said you know we want to have you talk with Overwatch. So this whole entire enterprise was actually something that I wanted to really make sure that people understand it was across the board, 
you know, the athletics department, the ITC, ITC department, UAG sports itself, that really worked together uh, to really pull this off. Um, but yeah, it was beginning in December and it was from then on three, four months of, of a barrage of transmission testing of our location. And again, it was very surprising, you know, I never imagined the debut of Overwatch coming to Hawaii to be in our iLab, but but here we are. So. So this thing has been in the works for a solid like five months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, that being said, though, um, Adam a Adam Mears, uh, who was in my car for pretty much the entire week, uh, he he actually told me about the fact that at the very beginning, it this was a backup plan. Um, I don't know what their f if we were their first choice or if we just ended up becoming their first choice because everything worked out so well. But Sky, do you have anything to say on that? Yeah, definitely. You know, we were a backup plan. Well, I mean, I think there are many backup plans. I, I, I think that was the issue with, with Overwatch is that there are just contingent plans everywhere. Um, if we broke down, there would be another place. Um, but again, it, it was contingent on this idea that, you know, as, as we brought in Artie and a, num a number of other students to do the transmission testing, could we get below 100 milliseconds? And I was very, <laughs> very suspect about that. Um, and I wanted to know. I mean, I, I, of course, was quite shocked because I was asking uh, one of our, you know, our students, you know, do they not know that we have quite horrible ping in Hawaii? Um, but regardless, I wanted to hear, you know, what they had to say. So we went through the testing and originally it was actually at 120. The, the ping rate was at 120. And what, what was happening is data was actually being transmitted, not to just, not just to California, but to Chicago. Um, and then being transmitted back to Tokyo. So we had to fix that. It was, everything was contingent upon rerouting the data. If that didn't happen, it would not have um, taken place at all. And and that was fixed solely because of the ITC department. Um, mm -hmm. They have control over the actual network cables that go under the ocean to, um, you know, both to California and to Tokyo. And they were able to open up a channel specifically for Overwatch game server data to travel through um, like just specifically to go to Tokyo. And it, it was crazy to actually be like in the game while they were doing these tests. And I saw the ping when we were connected to Tokyo go from 120. And then they said, okay, we just applied the change. Let me know what happens. And I just watched the ping drop down to 87 milliseconds. And I was just in, in shock that something like that was even possible. So it was almost like a flick of a switch and it, it's the difference between night and day. Um, it's all just depending on the routing. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, it was the um, the direct routing. Um, and again, it's one of these things where you know Hawaii is in the middle of the South Pacific, but um, sort of the Trans Pacific cape, undersea cables in in, in the in, in this area um, are quite vast and and of course are, are quite complicated. And there's a lot of politics that goes into building out these cables and, and getting them actually connected to Hawaii. Actually, a lot of a lot of companies bypass Hawaii because it's actually much easier because we have, you know, a very complicated process of, of landing cable locally. And so this has been a, a, an issue that is, has been at the fore for I, the IT um, community here locally 
um, on island. And, you know, our president of the University of Hawaii has actually played a, a very important role in, in building out broadband infrastructure on the islands itself. So there, there's so many ways in which the story has, has gained traction. And from the state side, you know, they're very, very much interested in understanding how does this help the, the state in supporting and creating more infrastructure locally. Um, and so we just can kind of been sort of fascinated how, how different communities and different stakeholders look at what has happened with Overwatch and UH and, and actually see different things than, than we do as, as gamers, perhaps, um, in this. The next one for me is you guys got on the phone, you got the news that you guys are moving through with this. When, at what moment did this feel like it, it's actually happening? Was there a specific like moment for you guys that you, you felt that? Oh, God. Um, yeah, Sky knows that if anyone, it's, it's me that's the most painful about this because contracts were not signed until the Monday morning that the staff were flying in. <laughs> Like I had made the announcement video and had been in, in talks with the, the graphics um, people here at, at UH Esports and we had everything ready and I was, I had all the Twitter posts queued. I had the YouTube videos on Unlisted for I probably like a week and a half um, waiting for the contracts to be signed to hit go. Um, and it never happened. Like it it still felt like kind of like okay this is happening like we recorded it we have all these graphics like we have all these secret channels in the discord and all uh, like we're slowly bringing on more and more people and getting them to to be involved and uh, it just slowly over the over the last few weeks leading up to it 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 started to feel a little bit more real but to me it didn't feel real until i hit the post button on twitter and like people started like flooding in with with like support and and comments and questions and that was when it started to feel real because also like i think two and a half three hours after i hit post was when the overwatch league actually arrived or at least the staff um had arrived on campus but it was just really funny because for the longest time we were like okay like two weeks before we're gonna make the announcement we are gonna have so much content leading up to it and then all right we didn't hear from them this week. We'll wait for the weekend. We'll hear from them next week. Okay, hey, cool. The contract was signed by one party. Now we have to wait for Overwatch League to sign it. And then Overwatch League didn't sign it. They had to change something. And then, oh, we're waiting for them to sign it again. And then Monday morning was when it was signed by all, all three parties that needed to sign it. And I could finally hit post. And I was we were just so stressed because didn't know if we would even be able to post any announcements. That sounds yeah. so stressful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the contracts were, I mean, Overwatch warned us very early on that their side takes a lot of time. And we kind of laughed because, you know, we wanted to make a bet who was going to be slower with getting legal to to look through documents because we thought we were going to be much slower at the University of Hawaii. Um, but yeah, they're, they're <laughs> no, no, you know, no offense, but they are, they are damn slow. <laughs> and I think even funnier too was that we were ready to hit the announcement button before major news organizations had heard about it, which I felt pretty proud about because it's like, ha, I'm finally like somewhat in the know. And then some article came out. Um, I can't even remember what the first article was, but it, it like a few days before USA Today had their article, there was one more and I was like, oh no. Like, yeah. I hope I hope nobody reads this like that's close to the university. And then the USA Today article got published, which that was before like 
the contracts w- like weren't signed anything that was like our our deadline was like all right we get we have to have everything ready before this usa today article drops right. and then contracts weren't signed usa today article drops everybody knows about it overwatch league um happens like the the main melee qualifiers were, were going on and i think one of the casters said something about it and then mm-hmm. suddenly the entire community was blowing up about hawaii and then it was kind of public but at the same time not because they hadn't officially announced anything but everyone was saying hawaii and the teams were saying hawaii and they put that on stream and like everyone knew and we couldn't say anything yeah exactly it was quite frustrating especially when it comes down to contracts like you want to make sure that you know you have that ink on the paper uh before you go ahead with anything but um i knowing Artie, he's he's like i, I just want to send this out he's like <laughs> He, he was he was ready. He had the he had the finger on the button, just waiting for that to happen. I, I was updating my Discord like um, status <laughs> like every week. I was like I was like news on Monday. Yeah, it was like news. Sorry, like, next <laughs> Monday. <laughs> and like, like guys, I, I promised there was news. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so funny to just watch watch all that unfold, um, and yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Um, so. Let, let's now get down to the actual event itself. Um, I know Artie just posted a video on his on his YouTube. Everybody go check that out. It It's a really great walkthrough of the process. I'll link um, it on our social medias. Yeah. I'll remember to do that, I promise. Um, but from your perspective, from the guys who were actually there uh, doing the whole thing, could you walk us through um, the, the setup? Like, what what happened... You know before during and after the event so originally we didn't really know too too much about what was going to happen um we didn't know how much actual production was going to be happening at our you know in our facilities versus just kind of like tournament stuff and the teams playing and it turned out that it wasn't much it was really just um there were observers and there were the players and then there was a lot of networking PCs that were handling a lot of the traffic with um, uh, with relation to the player cameras and different feeds for the observer stream and also the, the individual player feeds. Uh, but outside of that, there, there really wasn't much production stuff. So mostly it was just tournament organization stuff that, that the students were able to kind of get their hands on and work with. And, and that was also pretty bare bones because it was mostly just setting up... Um, to overwatch league standards and it was really cool because the first day that they came they checked out all the spaces that we had and all the rooms that we had laid out for them before their arrival and they were like yep this is gonna work okay um we're gonna have to change this but this is gonna work um we'll set this room up this way we'll set that room up that way and uh we'll be good to go and so we kind of just set that plan out and then tuesday came around and that was when all of the students kind of came in 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 groups socially distanced and with masks and all that kind of stuff and at first because we didn't know like are students going to be doing production or are students going to be like handling like actual things in relation to this like we tried to get like a little bit of a of a backup in the form of one of the local esports productions here on the island we brought in um actually um their their whole staff of like four people to to have them help us and turns out we didn't really need much more than manpower and the other thing too is that overwatch league had asked us originally 
for what was it five to they were looking for five to ten students and then sky was like here's 25 students all ready to help and (laughs) and i i was kind of like nervous at first because like like dang like are we gonna have room for everybody but i'm so glad that we had as many people as we did because it was basically all like groundwork and getting you know, moving tables and adjusting the size of tables and getting PC set up and getting all the cabling done and getting, you know, networking cables plugged in and, and run around the room and uh, setting up Raspberry Pis and, and um, you know, cameras everywhere and setting up the walls and setting up the lights. Like, it was so much that it, it was really surprising how fast it got done. Because they were like, all right, set up the, uh, we have to set up the iLab for the Florida Mayhem. They're going to be here in like four hours. I was like, okay, cool. 20 kids running into a room, setting up PCs, pulling them out of the case, done. Like we had so many people that the manpower wasn't even an issue. Yeah. So that, you know, the idea of, you know, how many students were going to be participating, it was, it was interesting because, you know, five to 10 students, you know, I, I thought that, you know, that's great. And that's what they imagine could be possible um, or what was needed. But at the same time, you know, we at the university wanted to make this an experience for as many students as possible under realistic expectations. And so I thought, you know, 10 students, you know, we can easily blow past that. And I wanted, I created a schedule for Overwatch in which we kind of staggered the the, the students who came in. Um, I created different core groups. And by doing that, we actually were able to have sufficient students participate in a way that actually made things run very smoothly so you know they thought you know of course 25 was way too much but at the end of the day it was more than enough to get things done very quickly but also in a way that you know students had things to do overall i would say students had stuff to do and they were able to not just do stuff physically but they were also able to talk with the staff Um, we got uh several sort of two-hour sessions with um with Adam, um, who's the comp uh, operative uh, operations uh, director for for Blizzard, um, and Jeremy and Greg, who are IT, and they literally just ran down their entire job of what they do with our students for a straight two hours. Um, we had just one-on-one sessions with Adams again. You know, again, that was the the competition operations individual, in which he would talk about sort of the global network of 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 things that needed to be prepared for running a tournament like Overwatch does in terms of setting up um, communications, making sure, you know, teams are prepared before um, 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 tournaments take place. Um, and also discussing how how deeply reliant the league is on for translators, especially, of course, Korean translators. And that was especially relevant for a number of our students who actually are interested in Korean studies. Um, we also have one of the oldest Korean studies programs in the United States. So we were able to talk with Swing Chip, um, who of course, you know, is is the the GM, but also is somebody who kind of operates as sort of a a, a, a motherly figure who really kind of like cracks a whip with with mayhem and is able to, you know, bounce back and forth between Korean and English. But she also elaborated of how important it was or is um, for the league to have Korean speakers, people who can translate and speak Korean itself. So yeah, like, you know, like Artie says, it was a lot of groundwork, um, but it was also a lot of very detailed um, behind the scenes um, discussions about, you know, how they run their jobs, what they do in their jobs, 
Um, and um, yeah, the students really, really appreciated that. I think, you know, at the end of the day, the goal of actually having this, this internship, which it is, it's an internship that students get credit, um, was actually for them to create, connect, create connections with the actual staff itself. That was one of the beautiful things about this is that the staff were just absolutely fabulous. Um, the, their, their willingness to take time with our students was, was unprecedented. I, I was quite shocked at how, how careful and, and considerate they were in doing that. Yeah, nothing is more important than like, honestly, firsthand experience, being able to talk to somebody who's in the industry and especially when it comes to like workflow of a difficult production or even a global production such as the Overwatch League, um, just having a, either a couple minutes or in your case, you know, almost a couple hours of their time in order to really dissect what they do. Um, it's very beneficial, especially for um, up and coming esports workers and people who want to be in the industry um i I know personally for me like i was able to work with uh mushu beef who was under um he he was like working with golden boy early um they kind of had like the same like career path and he was the one who really got me into casting and so from there like luckily you know later down the line i met Artie, and here we are uh so yeah, I, I guess we keep moving on with this. Uh, let me make sure that I am on the right part. There it is. Okay. Um, so what was it like to meet the players? You had both the Florida Mayhem and the Dallas Fuel come in. Um, how, how was like how was it meeting them for the first time um, and having, you know, Overwatch League pros on, on campus? Uh, well, kind of as Sky said, the league is really dependent on translators. <laughs> Um, there was only one player, um, that was on, uh, on Dallas fuel that spoke, uh, actually like, like really, really good English and, and wasn't shy. Um, I believe there was one member of Florida mayhem that, um, could speak relatively good English, but, um, I think they were kind of shy, uh, and, uh, he didn't really want to like, um, talk to, to, you know, like 20 students all at once. Uh, but overall they were super, super cool and laid back and i think that for our players it was really important for them to actually kind of meet their idols and and kind of realize that they're just people too and you know they just get paid for playing video games um one of the one of the coolest parts of the whole um of the whole week was when we were able to actually take the time to give the players um a a little bit of a gift so uh, our students actually got a whole bunch of local confectionery and and local snacks and whatnot. And uh, Sky and Kevin actually managed to get our logo printed on them, which was kind of cool. And we also got uh, ukuleles for them to sign. And so it was kind of like the the one time that the students and the players themselves actually could interact together. And it was a really cool moment just to kind of watch it all unfold of how stoked the players were to like get these gifts from the place they were so excited to go visit. And also how really thankful they were for the cards that the students wrote them and how excited they were to sign our ukuleles and, and, you know, give us something. And they were all super thankful for, for everything that we provided for them. But we were also thankful for, for how nice they were because there was not a single time that they were like, you know, any sort of anything close to a problem. Like they, they were absolutely phenomenal to kind of be around. And yeah, I, I just think it was really just a, a, a cool experience. 
Yeah, definitely. Very, very cool. Um, the players were quite, you know, focused in what they were doing. Um, so when they first came in, they were sort of like just, you know, they just sort of walked into our lab and went straight to the computers. And, you know, I think for all of us, we were kind of like slightly starstruck. We were just thinking, gosh, wow. <laughs> professional Overwatch players in the iLab, it was kind of like surreal. But as the days progressed, um, you know, as we started to prepare for, you know, the the, the Hawaiian snacks that we were going to give them, um, yeah, as already said, you know, it was actually nice to see them kind of um, relax a bit. And, you know, basically for the for the majority of the time, we saw them at their computers. But they came out, um, they signed their our, our ukuleles, and um, we gave them snacks. And, we, you know, were able for a brief moment to interact with them. And that's mostly with Florida Mayhem, with the, with the snacks that I was able to see um, with the interaction. But at the end of the Dallas game, you know, the team came out for a team photo and um, our our students, you know, were also eager to get personal photos with, with Sparkle. So, you know, we uh, ended up asking uh, Helen um, for, for photos for, with Sparkle himself and, we got a bunch of students standing with Sparkle, getting their their, their pictures taken with him, um, which I think he was a little bit stressed at that time because he had just lost his wallet right after um, right after the the win. So it was kind of like we're all looking for his wallet, um, uh, but still asking for pictures. But they were still very kind and very generous, and of course in a very good mood to do that. So um, overall, it was yeah, just a, a really fascinating interaction that we had with them. And after after that interaction, we, you know, our students posted that you know. For some of them who were, you know, hardcore shock fans, they had slightly um, a soft spot for Dallas, and so they um, posted that and said, you know, it's great to to meet, you know, a team like Dallas to 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 be able to to hang out with um, uh, the main melee champions. How was interacting with the players uh, different from interacting and working with the the actual league staff, if, if at all different? Worlds different. Um, I think mostly it's because of the language barrier. Um, but uh -huh. also a big part of that was that the players were there to play. Um, they kind of like Sky said, you know, they, they came into our iLab and I, w I, before I was even done filming all of them coming in, I think that it was, it was a BQB that, um, he actually was already playing Overwatch when I, by the time I, I turned off my camera, like I, I turn around and I just see it already running. He's already logged in. He's already on the esports server. I'm just like, how did, <laughs> how did you get there? Um, and, and so like, yeah, they were, they were at, at work pretty much the whole time. And so, you know, we had some interactions with their, with the team's managers and, and social media managers and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the staff that was, was a, much different experience so all of the staff that came were extremely personable and they were all also personally interested in our program which i think was really cool um so a lot of the students were able to have awesome one-on-one -on -one interactions with um you know adam mears the the comp ops guy the uh, it people greg and jeremy as well as the tournament organizer um chris and also the director of global operations mary um, you know, a lot of, of different experiences, uh, you know, that they had shared with us or different little peeks into the, the inside of, you know, esports as a full career path, um, like different conversations that the students were able to have either one-on-one -on -one or in big group discussions were, were really, really crucial to kind of the whole feel of the event. And also it, it, it's what made it feel real. Um, so having the Overwatch League staff there was really reassuring that 
you know, this was actually more than just, okay, people playing from our facilities um, and, and that we actually were able to get something out of it um, as far as our program. Yeah, I mean, essentially, as already has said, it was um, with the players, it was quite, you know, right to the grind, get ready. And again, we, we didn't want to disturb them. You know, they, I think one thing we noticed with with elite players overall that, you know, anything can, can sort of tilt them or disrupt them um, and it can sort of be lasting. And so we wanted to kind of just keep that, you know, separate and make sure that they, they had everything they needed um, to perform their best. Um, but yeah, with the staff, with Owl, it was actually wonderful. We've, I've been talking with them since December. Um, we got to know each other, you know, for quite a while. So it was nice to actually get to, to see everybody face to face and get to know them personally. You know, um, Chris is actually um, one of the individuals in the staff uh, team is, is used to be a surfer and actually surfs, you know, quite regularly now. So we, you know, him and I talked a lot about surfing and it was kind of awesome to share that little sort of moment together because, um, it's not just all esports, right? These are individuals with very different passions and interests, um, and so it was nice to to kind of connect with individuals as as sort of just humans, right? Um, beyond just them being, you know, Overwatch employees. So I really appreciated that part of it. I also went surfing with Chris on Sunday, and um, dude, he he carves it up out there. <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy. So what was what, what was the different feedback that you got from the different players and from the staff members like throughout and then after the tournament um the feedback that we got from the staff was 100 positive um like the 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 few issues that the players had with the spaces were things that you know couldn't really be fixed like um you know the one of the rooms that uh, actually the room that dallas fuel were in was uh, a little bit small and i think that for next time we're going to be swapping out some of those rooms maybe but it it was like you know something that wasn't really a, a much of a problem more than it was that um and this is adam Mears' words not mine um the the players had been babied for a long time and used <laughs> to really really nice facilities like um, you know, the Blizzard Arena and and also their own organization's facilities. And, and so being at a, an away campus uh, that's not built for esports, such as a university, um, you know, there, there were just a few things that were different. But overall, um, you know, everything worked pretty much without a hitch. Like, I think that the biggest issue that we faced was that we had to adjust desk sizes for a few players. But like... Yeah. Uh, that was actually the the only problem. Um, everything else went completely flawlessly, and that left a really big mark uh, for the staff. I know that John Spector um, was extremely grateful that everything went off without a hitch and that there were no problems. And um, you know, he actually uh, texted me uh, after he got back to uh, his hometown on Monday, and he said um, that he's thrilled that everything just worked. That's the the great thing about this is that this all was actually well done um, as best as we imagined it could have been. Um, there are many ways in which this could have could have been a disaster, um, but what we pulled off was, was quite unique. Um, the level of play, uh, the ability to have um, the teams in the location in which um, none of them ever said anything bad about what we provided them. Um, that was very important to us. So um, the idea that they 
were able to play in the iLab in the ITC building and to see it as a as a fair location was very important for us. And also for the fact that we actually had um, a team in Hawaii win was very important for us. Um, and so for us, it was it was quite important that, you know, whatever we were able to provide, it was seen as fair. It was seen as up to standard um, because we knew that we were, again, playing with a disadvantage in terms of, you know, the perception for us in Hawaii is that, you know, we are in the periphery. We're not sort of the central location for esports. And, you know, if, you know, we can do something that is seen as, 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 as above par in terms of, you know, providing the community um, a world-class experience, um, I think we, we hit the mark, in my opinion. Um, and again, once again, it was this idea that the teams left um, um, satisfied with what they were, were given. Um, and we hope that we can provide that for June, July, and August as well. Uh, Sky actually touched on a really important point there about the, the perception of Hawaii. Um, one of the biggest reasons that we were really rooting for Dallas Fuel wasn't really because of their underdog story or because of the fact that they were you know, like doing pretty great, but it was because of the fact that they were here in Hawaii. Um, them winning in Hawaii was pretty massive because it, like, just like Sky said, you know, like it, it brings us into the forefront, but at the same time, it's the opposite that was kind of scary. You know, if the Dallas Fuel had lost, what would the narrative have been, right? Like it would, like fans that were kind of kind of upset, would they like try to blame it on Hawaii and, and the bad facilities or, you know, something like that. So having the Dallas Fuel win to prove that we were in a fair, that we were giving them a fair shot and that we were providing something that had little to no disadvantages was massive. And it also sets the stage for the future events, you know, um, for the June, July and August tournaments, you know, there is already the expectation of, all right, this is where the teams win. This is, this is what people can expect. And taking from that you know the the bigger picture of things going back to our previous discussions about esports as a whole in hawaii um you know this is a place where big tournaments can be won this is a place where if we fix the small issues like not having a proper esports venue and uh being able to you know provide consistent server connection this is a solid location that can contend with the best of the best so a win for Dallas was a win for Hawaii. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was really, really important. Um, imagine both teams losing. Um, it would not be um, unusual to have people discuss whether this would be a location, if it was repeated in June as well. Um, and again, we're, we're working with the perception that, you know, Hawaii is a new location. Um, of course, for the Overwatch League, that would you know not be the case. They would probably stand by the the the, the stance that you know this is a, a location that has been rigorously tested. But you know, still, you know, because we we're able to pull off a championship team through Hawaii and through the ITC building, right? It was not even our, it was not even in our iLab. It was not where we actually traditionally have our teams play. It was in an ITC building, which is was much smaller. And again, the Dallas Fuel were probably not as happy to have that location originally. Um, but it, it was the place that, that is where they, you know, popped off. And, you know, we actually are hoping to actually get a plaque, um, to commemorate room 410 in the ITC building, which is literally just a office room, um, <laughs> as the, the golden moment that, um, Dallas won, you know, May Melee. So yeah, it, Dallas, Dallas, Dallas win was a Hawaii win. Absolutely. 
This is where the Dallas Fuel won the May Melee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Room 410. I just see the uh, I see the Fairly Odd Parents meme of uh, the dad being like, this is where the trophy would have been if, <laughs> if I had one. Team iLab be like. <laughs> yeah. 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 Honestly, if if no team wins in the iLab during the summer series, I'm going to have that meme printed and and hang that in place of a plaque. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we definitely have to. So uh, on our end, like it everything looked very smooth. There may have been like one or two technical issues with the teams, but that happens in every single broadcast that we've seen just it happens when you're you're playing on the internet or when you have equipment. Things will things will malfunction, but overall, it looked like it, a normal broadcast. It looked very smooth, and the only there were like one or two issues, but according to like the broadcast, that was on the casters, and that wasn't anything. Um, yeah. you guys playing in Hawaii. There was I think, that I was think the main one that. match. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. um a big point that Adam brought up to us was um like those those little issues actually had nothing to do with Hawaii. Um, there was yeah. the caster. There was also a few frame drops, but those all happened um on the mainland side of things. Yeah. Um, but you you actually said it pretty perfectly. It looked like a normal broadcast, and it's funny because John Spector actually rose that up to me as a problem. And I was kind of curious as to why that was this, uh, why that was an issue. Um, we were at the beach on on Saturday morning, like just before the finals. And he said that he was super happy that everything was going smoothly, but the broadcast didn't look any different. Mm -hmm. And so there are tentative plans in the works to make the next broadcast feel like it is a little bit more on location. Um, I don't know if those plans will be put into action. I don't know fully what those plans are, but they are in the works. Yeah, yeah that was definitely oh. an issue. Yeah. I, 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 the idea that it, it looked sort of generic. And so, you know, Overwatch did create a, a bit of a feature for the University of Hawaii um, that sort of highlighted the island itself. So the goal from, you know, from what we've, we've heard here is that they do want to create a broadcast that, um, that seems to feel as if things are happening on the island instead of just being it, a generic comp competitive broadcast itself. So I, I, I definitely would love to see that. And, you know, I, I look forward to the plans that they have. Kevin, yep. I literally talked about this earlier. Yeah, we, we were mentioning like one of the big things that we wanted that we missed from the main melee tournament was just literally b-roll like if there was yeah. b-roll of you know hawaii either the beach you know diamond head like anything i i would have felt that a little bit more and um i hope that they they incorporate that uh, especially into the june joust and all the other tournaments that are coming down the pipeline um but yeah i do understand what he was saying like if it's too generic they won't know that it's like you know it took place in hawaii so i'm, yeah. I'm glad that they're yeah, they, they should do something about that. And again, I think it's, it was quite surprising for for Spectre um, that the teams were actually, ex again, as we talked about before, excited to come to Hawaii. Um, that was the key. That was the clincher. Um, you had teams doing cheers, right? Florida Mayhem saying, go Hawaii. Um, 
And I think they should lean into that a bit more because this is the entire gist of coming to Hawaii. Um, for a lot of these Korean players, they have never been to Hawaii itself. Um, and so, you know, to be able to take that more seriously on the broadcast, I think would do wonders. Um, even to offer like a trophy uh, to the players themselves. You know, I actually have a, a Tongan wood, woodcarver friend locally who makes fantastic tikis. It's not beyond common sense to suggest that we give away, you know, part, you know, a, a Overwatch Junjiao slash Tiki. Um, it just makes sense, in my opinion. It's funny that you mentioned that, like the the Hawaii. Like I, I totally relate to that. I, that concept of like the reason why you want to go to this is because you want to be in Hawaii. Um, when I was in high school, I was in marching band for a year, and like every four years the marching band would go to Hawaii to compete. So like once in your, your marching band career, ideally you would be able to perform in Hawaii and then just experience it for a week. Um, marching band, I, I, there, our new director was so terrible. I only lasted for a year, but I, I seriously considered putting up with him for four years just so I could go to Hawaii. So I absolutely they did that in my marching band then. program too, except the year before I came was the last year that they went to Hawaii. So I no. never got to enjoy it. <laughs> I did it for all four years and never got anything. Oh, oh, but now he's there. He gets a, but yeah, but now jokes on them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, so, so everything went, went super smoothly that we saw. Was there anything that you can tell us? Were there any behind the scenes fires that happened that like we never would know about? I, I wish, I wish (laughs) that we had stories like that, but like, damn, y'all were just perfect. There was, I mean, okay, there was stress, but of course. there was there was no problems. Like it, we had to we had to adjust the player desks. Um, that took probably like two or three hours, but that that was it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it for for this this tournament itself, it was um, as you said before, fairly smooth sailing. So you know, we we don't want to jinx it, and um, you know. Fingers crossed, um, be able to do that for June and July and August. Um, we will have a bigger cohort of students that will take part in the June Joust, and so we want to make sure that you know, um, it, again, those students have the ability to to do as we did for the May event. So, yeah, we're looking forward to it, and I think um, you know, uh, I think it's going to be great. This was, I guess, a new experience for everybody, but like you must have had your perceptions of what it'd be like going into this. So was there anything that like hit you by surprise or that you weren't expecting to have to deal with during this, um, this experience? Not necessarily something we had to deal with, but I think that the, the, the most unexpected thing, and I think that sky and I have the same answer is how chill John Spector is. Hmm. All right. Sky used the word disarming. Um, uh, <laughs> we we were not expecting him to just be like, just this, just a guy, just this, just a dude hanging out. Because um, he was when he came. I which what day was it? Was it Wednesday or Thursday? Was the first day that he was there? I think Wednesday. Yeah, I think it was Wednesday. And yeah. like he came in um, and was just like checking out the building. I had met him very briefly on Monday night um like 
like right after the owl staff were there, I, I hung out with them and I briefly met him in the hotel room. And I was like, wait, John, like, like who's a John that's involved in Overwatch League? And I was like, wait, was that John Spector? And then um, uh, on, on Wednesday, he came in the iLab and was just uh, just walking around, you know, hands in his pockets, just checking out the the computers and the setup and everything. And he walked past Sky, and Sky didn't even give him a second look. And I was like, Sky, Sky, do you know who that is? I was like, and he was like, no, no, who is that? Sky, that's John Spector. And he, he, Sky's eyes wide. He was like, no way. <laughs> yeah, it's quite it's quite nuts to have you know, him just chilling in the, the iLab. He actually, I think he actually walked from his hotel to our university. He did. Um, he did walk. And so, you know, he's definitely a walker. Um, and yeah, it was, like I said, you know, he's quite disarming that he would sit down, you know, with us in a room and just talk for a straight hour. Um, just chilling and, ch and chatting with us for a straight hour. Um, it was very unusual. And again, it, it really... Um, I was not a big fan of Overwatch, to be honest, before this event happened. I mean, I did play Overwatch for about a couple of months when it first came out in 2016. Um, and after that, I kind of took a break and went back to Smash. I really haven't touched the game ever since. But after this event, I really have a very, you know, a much, much softer place. Uh, Overwatch has a much softer place in my heart now because because of the people, right? It's really, this is all about people connections. This is all, this is all about treating people as, as humans. Um, and so, you know, to know that, you know, at least the individuals that we met um, for this event, these are solid people. These are very kind people. Um, these are people that I was very proud to have around the university interacting with our students. Um, and so for me, that makes me want to play the game. All right, that actually makes me want to play Overwatch. So, you know, you know, I think that was the, the thing that got to me was that, you know, getting to know the individuals themselves made me uh, respect perhaps the game a little bit more. And so, yeah, I kind of found that surprising in myself. So what were some of the more, one of the, what were some of the hardest parts of doing this and what, what do you think was the most rewarding? I'd say that the, the hardest part was probably just, um, you know, managing uh, the expectations of, you know, the, of everyone involved that like, you know, guys, this like, please don't stress, you know, um, poor Kevin, um, our program director or program assistant, um, for UH Esports, he, he, man's was stressed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely, you know, making sure that, you know, I think for the future events, we want to distribute a bit of the, the work, um, and to make sure that a lot of the burden is is distributed across all students because yeah there is a, a tendency for us to want to you know to take charge the leadership to make sure that things are running smoothly and again that's i think perfectly okay in the beginning because this is quite new um, we wanted to make sure that things did run smoothly as, as much as possible and we accomplished that but i think for future events you know we want i think we're comfortable enough to understand the workflow and the, and the cadence of what's going to happen in, for for june giles and so for us, it's to make sure that, um, you know, we, we distribute that, 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 um, those responsibilities for, for, for the upcoming events. And then to, to answer the second part, the most rewarding, um, for me, the most rewarding was being able to hang out with the staff, right? Um, 
just kind of chilling and, and being able to take them around. You know, I got to, I got to take everyone on a hike to diamond head. I got to take them to the beach. Um, I was not expecting to have that role um, and to kind of like play the, the tour guide. Um, but that was really, really rewarding for me um, to kind of just hang out and, and just kind of shoot the shit with them. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like it was, it was really just a, a fun experience. And I think that the, another big rewarding aspect of it was like just having all the students together um, in one space to watch overwatch league um, because, you know, with COVID it has been over a year since a lot of people have been in person. And it was the first time actually meeting a lot of these students in person for me. And, and so to have everyone in a building um, chilling out in the room where we were having the watch party, that was probably the, the highlight of the entire event for me personally. Just, just being able to, to share the moments of like joy and like, oh my God, you know, Florida Mayhem got this round. Uh, oh my God, Florida Mayhem just got... 3 um oh my god like dallas fuel are actually gonna win this thing like all of those little events were like to have them in person after so long of of just not being in person uh, that was a really cool side effect of this whole thing yeah and yeah definitely i think for me just seeing students being able to pick the brains of you know greg and jeremy and you know uh, and Adam um, asking questions that they would had never been able to ask and so, sort of watching them get their minds blown. I think more than uh, three or four five times, you know, students were just going ooing aahing um, and just blown by the fact that um, they had Adam right in their presence and telling them all about sort of the the background um, um, uh, stories that that they could share with the students and also the insider information of the type of things that they could get access to as administrators to the to the game itself and the data that they could pull um and and the type of things that they can do um as being you know comp ops operators uh, i think the students were just sort of just again like i said blown away to have that kind of access to really just ask anything that they wanted to um i was just watching that and thinking this is this is quite unique so i was very happy to see that this was the first tournament here um you know at the university of hawaii um is there anything that you learned from this tournament that you'll definitely implement into later overwatch league tournaments or uh do you think that obviously this is you, you think that this is the standard john specter said that you know it's normal as is but what would you like to bring uh to the overwatch league tournaments um in the upcoming months what i'm hoping for coming from a content side of things is i really want to create something that they're going to be able to put on the broadcast to kind of highlight our program. Um, you know, they were able to highlight the university in, in May Melee, but I hope that in the June joust, they'll be able to highlight specifically the esports program and um, kind of highlight our different players and our different staff. Um, I really want to see everyone that has taken part of this all of our students within the cohort to actually get uh, a chance to just be shouted out for their hard work and for everything that they've done um because you know it even though it was you know groundwork it was a lot and the students did put in a lot of time and effort into making sure that this happened um without a hitch and so 
that's something that I want. Um, and I, I have no idea if that's going to be possible, but um, I'm sure that, you know, the Overwatch League is working on something special to kind of add to the next few tournaments. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, the features producer will be coming either June or July. And that's definitely one thing that they want to do is to further highlight the program itself. So, you know, that's that's going to be, be in the works. Um, another thing that I'd love to see happen is to actually get um, people outside of UH to come and actually, um, you know, visit, take part, meet the players or meet the staff. We have a lot of high schoolers here who are also big Overwatch players uh, because the May event was was quite locked down because of the COVID issue. Um, we hope that June, July, August is is more relaxed so that um, we can have, again, a wider network of, of community members come in and kind of see what's taking place. Because, again, when you have Overwatch at a university, uh, you do kind of expect to have some ability to see what's going on because everything right now is kind of behind closed doors and it's a bit of a black box. So I think for the Overwatch League, they also would love to um, invite, again, like I said, high schoolers. Um, to meet the players, maybe to have a, a fan meet and greet, or even to do some Zoom sessions, which is something we planned. But the key is to actually open this up more. That is that is something we plan to do. Yeah, that that is all going to depend on you know the state of COVID uh, during the next few tournaments, and also you know it, it could have a lot to do with the vaccine passport that was just rolled out, I believe, yesterday um, for Hawaii. Um, it's still really unclear what the restrictions will be like for vaccinated people. But as our staff and students are slowly, everybody is becoming fully vaccinated. Um, I, I hope that we will be able to open it up um, possibly just to people, you know, like even if we can get something like, you know, you can come in and see it, but only if you're fully vaccinated, you know, I think that that would be a good compromise but you know it's we have no way to tell at this point whether or not something like that is even possible if it is possible please let me know i will book my uh book my flight immediately <laughs> i mean i don't i've always wanted to go to hawaii and considering i didn't get to go for band i mean <laughs> you think we would write this off as a business expense oh absolutely absolutely go. i'd write this off as a business expense a business trip come on we're, go. we're going to to cover something for the podcast that's a business trip <laughs> yeah there we go um but so like considering that you actually had two teams there in person this is the closest thing that overwatch has had to a physical home since the blizzard arena closed down uh was the last year i think um that was last year right kevin uh last year almost yeah okay it feels like, well like two seasons ago yeah <laughs> It feels like a while. Time has no meaning in the time of Corona anymore. Um, yeah. But so you guys have been closest thing that we've really had to a physical home for Overwatch. Um, how is, is operation going to change for you guys if and when, if and or when the league gets back to holding intern, in-person tournaments? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's something we've been kind of wondering about as well is, you know, is this a one-off? Is this something that just happened because of COVID? Um, and I believe that, you know, for, for, you know, again, having, you know, discussing this with the Overwatch League itself, you know, we were kind of curious, you know, would there be a possibility of, you know, having future events in Hawaii and, 
you know, possibly having an all-star event or something that brought together, you know, East versus West teams locally here. Um, that is one thing that we would like to to further sort of entertain uh, when we move forward in, in, in terms of supporting esports in Hawaii. But, you know, we're not looking at this as uh, something that's necessarily going to be long term. I think, you know, there could be prospects of this happening again, at least one more time. Uh, but that's, again, not guaranteed. But, you know, we did kind of joke around that, you know, if things do go well, you know, we could possibly do something again next year. Uh, but I think for us in Hawaii, it's really a, a, a discussion about infrastructure. You know, what can we build? What can we create um, as Hawaii gets out of COVID? Because again, our numbers are, are, are you know, relatively better than the mainland. So we will emerge out of this probably sooner than, than other states. Um, when that happens, do we have the infrastructure to, to hold events? I think that's the key question. Um, and that's something that we are, you know, proposing for, for the state as they, you know, renovate, we have a stadium locally called Aloha Stadium, and that's our, our main sports stadium. You know, is there a way for us to actually build out a component of our stadium that will support um, esports events? You know, that is, that is what we're kind of looking at for, for this for the future. Yep, Sky pretty much nailed it on the head with that. As far as like, I'm personally in the camp that this is a one-off thing, at least for the university. But I think that if we can get a proper esports arena built that can like actually house, you know, two to four teams. I think that there is a big possibility that it, you know, it would just be the normal to have the East teams fly out, the West teams fly out, meet in the middle um, and have that actually you know, be something that could recur, not just for Overwatch, but maybe for, you know, multiple different, um, esports uh especially like you know valorant you know they, they all went to iceland you know there's no reason that that can't happen here uh, it's just the the question of infrastructure what did you guys personally take away from this experience you know you had the overwatch league come in you guys put on an amazing broadcast but what specifically did you gain as a person and also what did the university gain from this whole event as as a whole so for me as a person, um, I think what I gained was, I think a very important thing, um, it was the, that, that first hands-on experience of seeing, well, you know, what, what happens with a league like Overwatch when it comes to creating this, this global spectacle, right? This global entertainment form. Um, for me, you know, you know, I do play games. I love video games. Again, I'm, I'm, I love Smash. I'm, I come out from the, the Street Fighter scene and the fighting game community. Um, but you know, this event itself was was something that I, I thought was, I mean, at least for me, um, quite unprecedented in getting this kind of access and seeing this being pulled off um, in that respect. For the university, um, it's incredible visibility. All right, Overwatch, the Overwatch League has done a, a tremendous job in promoting the University of Hawaii, um, and you know, again, I'm. I, I, I'm quite surprised at, at how much they have supported, um, not just the University of Hawaii, even UH Esports. I, I did not expect them to, to be as engaging with our actual so our, our Twitter account as they were. Um, so the university itself um, has gained visibility in being a location that is, is serious about esports. So, so my hope in the future is that through this event that we have further investment um, from the University of Hawaii in supporting our program. And by, by supporting our program, what I mean by that is both, you know, 
infrastructure, uh, computers, a location, you know, hopefully we'd like to actually have the, the iLab renovated, but also um, supporting positions um, in growing the program um, through through hires themselves, because we have a fantastic crew of people that that do a lot of work at UH Esports and, and definitely deserve to be recognized for it. Yeah, um, honestly, I as far as like from the university perspective, that's also what I'm hoping for as well, especially just how much validity this added to our program uh, and how this really legitimized esports for the university. Um, but on a personal level, I was just surprised at how laid back everybody was. And, you know, this is my first time being at a, at a large scale, like in-person esports event in America. Um, previously I had done, in-person um, esports tournaments in uh, in Japan, but you know, over there it was a little bit different, just given how Japan is versus America, and so seeing everything here was just like nuts. It was it was just crazy how laid back it was and how nice everybody was, and um, I think talking to Adam was was really big for me because he made it he made me really realize how, how realistic um, having a career in esports was. And that was not something that I was prepared to get out of this. Um, but this whole thing was really, really rewarding on a number of different levels. So my final question is, if Hawaii were to get an Overwatch League team, what would you want that team name to be and what potential mascot would you like and what what colors would you want this team's jersey to be? <laughs> I have not even thought about that. What do you think, Artie? So, I mean, I, I wish that it could just be Project Aloha because that's a, just such an awesome name, but it has to be Hawaii something or Honolulu something. So I would say probably like... Yeah, like um, uh, pine the pineapples, the coconuts, <laughs> the, uh, coconut. <laughs> the palm trees. I, I don't know. I don't know actually. Yeah, it's 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 such a like a moonshot right in in our mind's eye right now, but at the same time maybe it's not you know because we've gone this far, um, but wh whoever it is, um, you know, we hope that it's actually a, a mix of Korean and local players. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. we, we we definitely want to you know definitely want to have at least one one player from hawaii <laughs> whoever whoever creates this team needs to have at least one player from hawaii because we know we know the trend right now in, uh, in <laughs> yeah we um you know especially just given that hawaii has a very very big um emphasis on local and and keeping you know local things local i feel like there would be a little bit of pushback if we just kind of imported six players from Seoul. I mean, not, not, not that's, you know, that's not that bad, but still, you know, the, there's such deep, yeah, again, it's a very good question, you know, because again, when we think about esports, you got to think about the, the locality, right? The geography, the history, the culture. Um, and not saying that, you know, Vancouver or San Francisco or Dallas doesn't have that, that history, but Hawaii is very different. Right, Hawaii is very different when it comes to sports, high school sports, youth sports, esports, um, and I. There have been lessons in the past where organizations have come in assuming that, you know, there's a template here that they can replicate, and it has not worked out. And so the goal is to make sure that you know if there is a possibility in the future for having a team or professional team where, 
if there's a billionaire somewhere in China that wants to create something here locally, you know, that they really take it seriously that people from Hawaii want to be involved with these decisions. And, and I hope that, that that can happen. And so when we when we do end up making a uh, Hawaii huma huma nuku nuku apua team, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's going to really be big on, on that local influence. Yeah, yeah. I, I wait. I can't wait for Sideshow to pronounce pronounce that name. <laughs> that's the fish, right? That's the ocean sunfish. That's, yeah, that's a state yeah. fish. Yeah, the state fish. Yeah. Yeah. Where can people find you if you want to see what your guys's content is? If you have any any content you want to plug. Uh, yeah. So the official UH Esports Twitter account is at UH Esport uh, singular. Could not get the plural one, unfortunately. Um, also on Instagram, UH underscore esports um and then also i'm uploading stuff to my personal twitter and youtube and that's uh at Artie's op on all socials all right sky and Artie, thank you so much for joining us and, and talking about your experience with uh project aloha we look forward to seeing what you guys do for future broadcasts and congratulations on the resounding success that this was yeah thank you guys um and definitely stay tuned for more yeah thank you guys so much all right guys thank you for listening to this episode and this interview with sky and Artie. uh give their content a follow follow uh uh esports and um we will see you next week for our regular regular scheduled broadcast adios Next week, we get back into the regular season schedule and bring you more gaming and Overwatch news. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at Believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.